Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, I often feel pretty angry after a Melbourne loss, but this was just a kind of a weary resignation. How depressing was that? Well, it was so funny because I told you, I think it was like a couple of minutes to go and you had this faint hope of, no, 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 there's still time, there's still time. And I said, yes, but there's no talent. So that's the hard part. <laughs> and by that, I, I, I'm not necessarily referring to the uh, playing talent, but probably more the coaching talent. But Oh, um, I think both. I think both. We'll get to yeah. that in a second. But, you know, we thought we missed last week's Deluded and I'm glad that we now have two disappointing games to, to deal with together, like a bit of a double header of um, disillusion. <laughs> well, to be honest, after the Sydney game, we were ready to, ready to let it rip and we thought, you know what there's a game in a few days let's just cool our jets could just be an aberration um but the two of those games put together kind of kind of sum up being a melbourne supporter in a way don't they they were just pathetic really in every way and sydney and Fremantle are both teams that have a lot in common i think they're both young um with some real top-end talent um of course sydney were missing some of their really crucial players which is so embarrassing for us i mean they had no heaney they had no rampy they had no buddy and yet we still put in that type of performance yeah what um, what is sydney's top-end talent well and, and they had no mills as well i mean yeah. look they have they do have some really good players let's be honest they have I mean, Buddy, I still think, despite no, the, the fact that the ones that were injured. playing. I guess oh, the ones that were playing. Yeah, not many. That's I mean, my point. They've got some I mean, very promising young players. And they've Kennedy got some veterans good, who still have some talent. Right. And Parker is still a good player. But neither of those players are going to be all Australian this year. No, even close, exactly. You know? Which was really embarrassing for us. And even if you look at Fremantle, I mean, I think they have some real stars sure. who are young stars. But ultimately, those players are also still very young and are not going to be all Australians this year either. Right. Um, Fremantle at least has Fife and Walters. Right. Uh, who are le- legitimate stars. But, yeah. but, but you look at the Sydney game and what they did to us in that first half. Embarrassing. Completely and embarrassing. Completely. But I just think that Sydney and Fremantle, I mean, ultimately, they're both teams which, um, which are really developing, but mm. they're extremely well organized. They seem extremely well coached yeah. and they bring effort every single week. And you cannot say the same thing for our team. I mean, our team, look, the back line looks somewhat organized at the moment, but we have no forward line structure. The midfield gets routinely built, be- beaten. And ultimately, they don't bring effort or intensity until literally the last dying seconds of the game when they realize they wake up and realize they could actually lose the game. I mean, it was insane to me that they only really started taking their chances and being brave with the ball at the very end of the game when when they realized that, you know, there was only a couple of minutes left and they had to keep a couple of goals. Yeah, it is absolutely bizarre. Um, but I have to say this week, against the Fremantle at least, I don't think the problem was effort. I just don't know if they were up to it. And that's the really depressing thing. Like the Sydney game, there was definitely a huge effort problem. And obviously they had this very short break and they flew in the day or whatever, random excuses. But this game, like I just felt like, like you know, you look at Viney, he was killing himself. But do we actually have that much talent in the middle nits? Well, it's an interesting question. And, and one I'm glad you have predictably segued into because I do want to talk about this because everybody um, after the game I think was talking about Melbourne's seven changes and we'll definitely get to that but there's no doubt that when you're bringing in people like Bedford and and Oscar Baker I mean those players are not up to AFL standards so you're probably not going to win too many games of football with with a glut of those types of players. I think a little bit harsh on Bedford he hasn't had many opportunities he played pretty well against West Coast I mean, I'm willing to give Bedford another opportunity. I mean, he wasn't the only small four to do nothing. Let's no, be honest of course. Here. But yeah. let's. But I guess what I would actually want to highlight right hmm. now is that the kicking of our supposedly gun players and the ones who were the leaders of the club was was atrocious. Hmm. Let me highlight some numbers for you. You've gone into Salem, stats. 
Well, yeah, I did. Salem, 36%. Track, 31%. Oliver, 25%. Meanwhile, Trent Rivers actually was kicking at nearly 70%. So, mm. you know, he's got a, he's got a real, um, real future for him. It's but telling that he's a first-year player and he's now been given the kickouts. It's absurd, right? Yeah. That's how little faith that they have in the rest of the playing group. And so um, that's extremely telling, isn't it? And you compare that to Frio's numbers where, you know, people were kicking much, much, much better than that. And I want to talk about the Swans game because also that was appalling. So Track was kicking at 33% that game. Oliver, mm. 18%. Atrocious. Atrocious. And Viney, 28%. Now, you can't have your best players kicking that poorly and expect to win the game because they're the ones who are getting most of the ball. And so I think that, you know, we all want to jump to the, to blame some of these younger players who are coming in and making mistakes. And there's no doubt they're out, they are, but let's have a look at some of the supposedly seasoned players who are making horrible mistakes with the ball and terrible decisions and, and turning it over routinely. And, and I have to say, Frio, I thought, um, looked amazing kicking in the rain. Like it, the rain didn't seem to have a problem on their efficiency. So Same with Sydney. Exactly before. the yeah. same with Sydney the, the week before. And you have to ask yourself, are we just allowing people to kick like this, you know? And so... Right. Because I think the stat was Fremantle was leading the uncontested marks like 49 to 6 or something atrocious like that. And they're all easy marks. So, that's just spreading much easier, right? The you uncontested know. possession count was up, it was absurd at halftime. But let's talk about some of our the sort of big questions and disagreements from this week because... So look, against the Swans, I think we did play a fairly settled team, except for Hibbert, who was obviously out injured. But against Freo, we did swing the axe and, and mm. pulled seven changes. So you can't say that Goodwin isn't, I suppose, trying to make a statement of some sorts. But, mm. you know, and three were obviously forced in Jones and, and Brayshaw and um, Harms. But the other four, I mean, some of these names, like Bedford, I think you have more time for than I do. Oscar Baker, do you really think he's going to be an AFL player? No. Okay. Then let's talk about Proust, the decision to pr- play Proust despite the horrible conditions. But see, that wasn't the thing that really frustrated me. I mean, yes, Proust, Proust is the wrong person for this game. But if Proust is in, play him in the bloody ruck for a decent portion of the game. The thing was remarkable is that Gorn was pretty much contesting the ruck all over the ground. And what that meant is we couldn't use Gorn, for example, at full forward, where he was like the only player who looked like he could take a big mark. I mean, Wiedemann has had you know, two very quiet games, Gorn could have really made an impact. And we didn't even seem to try it. We just kept keeping Gorn in the middle. Right. And we have to talk about the fact that they swung May forward, but very, very late in the game. And so... Oh, in the, in the Sydney game. Oh, and in this game, I think. And yeah. in this game yeah. as well, right? Well, the Sydney game was atrocious. I mean, yeah. May, I don't even know who May was on. Um, and, you know, they weren't having too much impact. Maybe he's on Reed or whatever. And they put him forward right at the death when it was too late for us to win anyway. Like, just shocking coaching. I think so as well. And May really didn't go – May should have – honestly, I kind of think she should have just started forward against um, against uh, uh, Frio. Yeah. To be honest. But can we just drill down one thing, Leeds? What are you making of Gorn's season? I know this is kind of a heresy to even ask this question, but I've had a few doubts recently, as you know. Yeah, I, and I and you can explain those doubts first before I dispute them, but yeah. <laughs> now, look, Gorn is still an incredible player, still probably in our top two players, but I don't feel like he's having anywhere near the impact he used to. I think he's winning the hitout, so his stats look great, um, but I don't think he's really affecting all that much because I think teams are getting smarter around the clearances. And his impact around the ground, I mean, this this game he took a couple of decent marks, but he's not finishing well. Like <clears throat> He missed a crucial goal um, against Sydney, uh, he made a huge mistake um, today. In fact, two mistakes in defence uh, against Frio. I'm not saying he's he's playing badly, but he certainly hasn't improved this season. And I think you have to say he's gone back a couple of notches. Uh, 
Look, I think that the problem at the moment is that there is no synergy between Gorn and the midfield, to be perfectly frank with you. So I think that the midfield looks totally out of kilter with with Gorn, and maybe that's because t- other teams have worked out Gorn. But for whatever reason, that midfield like connection is not working at all as a midfield group, I would say. And that's right. why they're getting consistently beaten. But, but doesn't that mean then we need to change Gorn's role, right? Play him in other parts of the ground, make him dangerous in other ways. Yeah, I know? would agree with that, definitely. And in this particular game, I do agree at some point, I think when, when Proust was clearly not doing anything in the forward line, especially given the conditions, <laughs> they should have just stuck Proust in the middle to compete with Sean Darcy and push Gorn forward. I completely agree with that. I think that one of the other problems, though, is – and, you know, we've talked, Gary Lyon talked about this on On the Couch, and I actually really agree with it. We have a bunch of top line players who look amazing statistically, but ultimately they have got no cohesion and they aren't team first players. And that's just a reality that we have and to deal with. Who do you with. think that applies to? I think that applies to majority of our midfield, to be perfectly honest with you. you I mean, name some names. Well, okay. So let's start with track. I, do, I don't see track applying pressure when the game isn't going his way. I, I think that Oliver, you know, obviously gets a lot of great stats and that type of thing, but I'm not sure if he's, you know, a particularly selfless player, if he's really willing to sacrifice his own game, particularly when he's not kicking well, which has been a lot recently. Um, I, I think Oliver tries hard, but he does have a lot of useless possessions. That's his problem. I don't think you can question his effort. He really does look like he's killing himself every game. Right. But, but he just goes around in a circle. You know, you'll get a small handball and then a handball he back. He hands handball it back, back to somebody else you know? in, in, in trouble. And, and then you've got Gus, who obviously yeah. didn't play, but, you know, ultimately, I think, is um, not necessarily a great two way runner. So you have to ask yourself about how much these players, they all look statistically like they're you know, having great seasons and doing well, but how much are they really willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good? And I'm not really sure if if any of them have that sort of ability and if they're well, really what about Viney? Because we have to, you have to say, Neats, Viney's attack in this game was phenomenal. I mean he, right. he threw everything out. I just think the problem is he doesn't have the finesse. And yeah. that's the issue, yeah. right? Is that the problem is He's got is, the work that... but not the finesse. Exactly. Right? And yeah. the issue is is the other three we're talking about, Oliver Oliver Track and and Petrarca, they are all And Brayshaw. I'm um, sorry. Gus, Track, and Oliver, ultimately, they are more talented than Viney. That's the, that's just a fact that we have to accept. And yet, if they are the ones who are not willing to sacrifice themselves or, or be accountable, then what does that say for the rest of, you know, what does that do for the rest of the team? So, you know, I think that ultimately it's, you know, we might have, a, and maybe this leads us into another discussion, which is you know, we've got so many of these players on the list who we're really not getting much out of. So what are we actually going to do going forward? So I want to talk about Mitch Brown. I want to talk about Tommy Mack. I want to talk about Benel. I mean, for me, it's staggering that when we had such problems with kicking the ball last week, why we wouldn't pick Benel or why we wouldn't go back to Tommy Mack, despite the fact that he's horribly out of form, at least he can kick. Yeah, absolutely. And look, our small forwards were terrible today. Um, Cozzy had another poor game, but he's a young player. We'll, we'll, We'll forgive him that. But yeah, very surprising what's happened to Benel. I mean, he did have a couple of flat games, but he showed a lot early in the year. And given how poor our use has been, it's hard to imagine him not playing. Tom McDonald surely is on the trade table and and on his way. I mean, you make seven changes and they don't pick Tom McDonald. No, he's completely he's completely gone. The only question is what we're going to have to do about that situation because I mm. think we'll have to give him. You know, we'll definitely have to pay some of the contract. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. No one's going to accept him right. which, without that. Cons- without which might win when we keep him, you know. Right, exactly. But, 
you know, it's funny because we actually got a comment from Mark um, in our Facebook community. Thank you guys so much for posting your comments, which is how good would Watson Hogan look at the moment? It's funny though. I mean, because the truth is neither of them are really getting consistent games for their respective clubs either, Yeah. Um, which might say something about them or I'm not sure what it says about us, but ultimately, it, you know, Watts still can't get a game at Port Adelaide despite the fact that they've got some serious injuries and Hogan is only just coming back into the team and it looks like based on discussions that he might be traded anyway. So yeah. it's kind of insane. Look, I'm I'm always hugely nostalgic for Watts, but I think given that he hasn't been able to break into the Port Adelaide team, it does sound like, you know, maybe his effort issues or who know what, what there is have just repeated. Hogan was interesting to watch, wasn't he, to playing against us? I mean, he he still sulks, doesn't he? He's always sulking about free kicks or random And he's not things. kicking any goals, let's be no. honest here. And he doesn't look likely of kicking any goals. He still had some very nice field kicking and he still moves pretty well. He's a wonderful field kick. There's no doubt about that. I, I think, look, if his body holds up, I do think eventually Freya will get a pretty good return from him because he's an absolute jet. Um, but having said that, given that I think so many of our problems are kind of cultural, I don't know if having Watson Hogan would make that better. No, exactly. Especially when it's like a loser's attitude. And, and, and you know, you have to say that this, is, this club is, you know, we once talked about how Carlton might be literally the antithesis of the Chicago's Bull, Chicago Bulls 1990s team. I think the Ds are. I think they have all – I think they are literally the complete opposite – if you could pick a team that was yeah. more mentally weak. Like uh, the Washington Generals or something like that. Yeah, just- some team that no longer exists you know, <laughs> in the NBA. But yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Something that should fold, except for the generous assistance of the AFL. Exactly. No, they're just terrible. But yeah. let's talk about Goodwin because this is, this is going to be a huge discussion point. Yeah. So on Footy Classified last night, Kauru said that the club couldn't afford to pay him out right now, especially given all the COVID um, right. issues. And he's got two more years on his deal. Let's just remember <laughs> Kills that. Me. Yeah. So, and you sent Glenn Bartlett about this issue. And I emailed did, about this actually. Issue, didn't you? I did. I emailed Glenn Bartlett and invited him to come onto the podcast, mm. and I received an email back from- Bobbing you off a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I mean, he added me on LinkedIn, but then I received a- um, <laughs> I'm not it's sure kind of if unusual. Was, yeah, it was. But then I received an email from- um, uh, Ryan Larkin from the Melbourne Media Department kindly telling me that they will not be doing an interview during the season, but postseason might be possible. Oh, we'll be um, holding them to that. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't think but, you're going on holiday, Glenn Bartlett. We're coming. Yeah. I think so. And I think it's about time that this club actually started to be accountable to its fans. I mm. mean, I think it's pretty appalling that we haven't had more regular, uh, you know, speeches from the president or from the CEO. Well, he used his trick, though, you have to say. I mean, a few weeks ago, he went loco at the club and then we won a few games in a row. So well, I don't know if he's going to come out again. But, but that's but- like, usually he's pretty silent. And so you yeah. have to say that there are a lot of questions. And it's not just about going loco at the club. At some point, Lots of fans and supporters of this club have stuck by through multiple rebuilds, yeah. through multiple, uh, you know, examples of mediocrity that this club has shown. And at some point, you have to sit there and face the membership and face the supporter base and explain exactly what you were doing. I mean, yeah. one thing I will say that I have to say, we we watched Justin Longmuir's uh, press conference, and I was extremely impressed actually by Justin mm. Longmuir's conference because. He looks like some. He's very honest. He says, "Bit of a know, rooster too, isn't he?" I mean, you've got a little bit of a thing for him, but. You know, but what I will say is you listen to him speak and he explicitly says, he says, look, we're not great on offense. You know, we're really trying to work on that. That's what we're spending the last couple of the weeks doing. That's what we're going to work on in the off season. And that's the area that, that we see a real improvement. We've got made huge strides in our defense, but this offense has to come. And, and I just think that, 
the way that he talks, even when he talked about Jesse Hogan's mm. non-selection, you know, very clearly explaining that exactly the things that Jesse needs to work on. He's not applying enough defensive pressure. He's not um, trying to win, you know. Right. He's re- Doesn't matter how much he's paid. He's not going to get a game unless he do, does those fundamentals. Exactly, yeah. and plays and plays a team first role. And I was very impressed by the fact that he actually spoke so candidly and honestly about the reasons why Jesse wasn't being selected and and what he really wants to do with this club. And he's actually providing a vision. When have we heard a vision from this club? When have we heard the club come out and say, this is where we think we're at. This is where we think we need to be. Now, we understand that from murmurings and from, you know, rumors in the media that apparently if it's either the finals or bust for Simon Goodwin. But when has the club ever actually come out and made that particularly clear? No one knows what direction this club is headed in. Hmm. No one knows what vision they seem to have, like this club seems to have. And right now the supporters, myself being one of the main ones, is completely and utterly fed up. This club actually has to start being accountable. No, totally. And people are really hurting. I mean, you just read the supporter forums and there's a usual mix of anger and sack the coach and all that stuff, but there's some, some real deep sadness, I think, from people who've supported the club for a very long time and are really questioning it. And I think, you know, we've had plenty of bad times. Any Melbourne supporter could list all of the different terrible eras. But at least in the Neild era, I think we knew we were bad. Now I feel like we're just squandering a golden opportunity, right? We have real top-end talent. We haven't had a player like Petrarca in 20 years, you know, we haven't had an, a dominant All-Australian Ruckman. We haven't had the All-Australian fullback, arguably. We have a lot of stuff in our arsenal, you know. I agree with that. And this is why I just cannot, if the club waits for another season to sack Goodwin, I'll be filthy. Because quite yeah. frankly, Gorn is getting older. Hibbert is getting older. Melksham is getting older. A lot of these players are getting older. And we cannot squander yet another season of mediocrity. May is getting older. Remind, we did not recruit a young player. We recruited an older player. So, you know, you've got to make, if you're going to say that we recruited for the here and now, then you've got to make a coaching decision that is for the here and now, and you have to own that decision. That's how I see it. So the question is who comes in now? Well, the question is who comes in, not yeah. even if you get sacked. No, the question has question. to be, I think that the question has to be who comes in because really? quite frankly, they cannot, they cannot squander another off season. But let me, let me ask you this, Neitz. You clearly want Goodwin to be gone immediately. You've made that abundantly clear probably years ago. Um, if we can't get a, a coach of the stature of Ross Lyon, Alistair Clarkson, Brad Scott, do you stand by that? Would you like some kind of young, promising assistant to come in? Because that's really the market, right? Like Adam Uze or that type of thing. Right. Or any number of people, you know, who I'm Scott Burns, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think yes. Really? Yeah, I do. I really think yes. I think that there is, I, I think Goodwin has failed that much that even an untried coach, maybe with an, you know, the support of someone who, who's like a mentor type role from like some Alan Richardson? Coach. Or would you? Be no, I think I, we need to get rid of Alan Richardson personally. But I think that like anybody else who's sort of a, a really good assistant coach, maybe from another club, I think if we had sort of a, some support around a younger coach, yeah, I'd be willing to go with them. I just think it's time. I think Goodwin has failed with this list and anybody yeah. else needs to be given an opportunity. I look at what Justin Longmuir, and this is not meant to be the Justin Longmuir fan club, but I look at what he's done with Fremantle in a season when they really started off with very, very little. I mean, they went to the draft last year. They got these young players in, in Sarong and Hayden Young and those types of players. But they And they obviously had a couple of superstars, but they've made real strides. And we have a lot more than that. And I just think that any other coach could do better than this particular mess that we're in at the moment. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Look, I tend to agree in some ways, but I am concerned about the financial question. And the truth is we're not pouring over the spreadsheets. And we do know that the club is finally in a good financial position. I have no idea if the AFL is going to be okay with this. I mean, the, the coal competition is in massive stripe. Melbourne is finally not a basket case financially. Yeah, I mean, but it's still a basket case on the field. You'd, you'd hope that they've designed this, the, the stupid contract they gave Goodwin well enough that we don't have to pay, you know, all of it. But presumably there's a pretty big hit, you know, sacking him two years out. I don't know. I, I worry about that. Look, to be honest, I just don't know enough about the finances. But if there's a way for us to do it, um, I'm on the same train. Because- and again, I think that's a failing of the club, not making it clear what the financial situation is, making it clear what Simon Goodwin's contractual situation is. Like, True. I think it's Although that's across really the competition, though. I mean, how often do they, you know, specify the coach's contract and the trigger clauses and all that? I guess it, Port Adelaide did. Port Adelaide does, yeah, and I think true. that's great leadership. I mean, yeah. I think Koch put it on the agenda. It's finals or bust this year for Ken Hinckley. Good on him. Good on him. Be honest with your supporter base. No one could accuse David Koch of not being honest with his supporters. Mm. And so I think that as a member, there needs to be serious, serious petitioning of this club to actually finally be transparent about where they think they are and where they think they're going. Do they think this – clearly based on their moves, they think that this list is good enough. Mm. If that is the case, then they have to get a coach who is good enough. Yeah. Well, so we got a lot of comments um, on the Deluded Fan Community page about this. So let's let's go through some of those. Um, Mark suggested that maybe the list is actually average or not as good as we think. Um, he pointed out that beyond the good players, Oliver, Track, Varney, May, Salem, Gorn, there's not a hell of a lot. What do you think about that? So my view on this is that, and we talked about this, right? A lot of very good teams have like maybe eight or nine really, really good players. And then the rest of them are kind of all role players, right? right? And it's about trying or to harness playing at that. their best. Or t- playing yeah. at their best. You're getting, the ma- you're getting your maximum return for a bunch of like, mm. you know, mediocre players. But look, the thing that kills me is we do have a lot of players with a lot of potential and a lot of talent, right? So yeah. even looking at some of the young players like Luke Jackson and Cozzy Pickett, even looking at Sam Wiedemann, there's real talent, you know, right. there's real promise. Yeah. Gus, we can't seem to unlock his talent. The point is, is that there's real promise. And I think that a better coach could potentially unlock that and possibly get the role players to play better. Uh, I agree to an extent, though I do think a lot of our good players are a little bit overrated. I mean, you know- That's definitely true. Players like Salem is a good player. He's never become dominant. Oliver, who you know I absolutely love. I mean, the more and more time passes, the more I wonder whether he's a star or just someone who has these wonderful statistics. Because statistics look amazing, and he may well be All-Australian this year, but how consistently damaging is he, right? Petrarca is a legitimate superstar. Yeah, but look at some of his statistics over the last couple of weeks, honey. Sure. He, he had a couple of bad weeks, but the truth is we wouldn't even be in a position to make finals without his, his contributions this year. True. Gorn, I think, is a star, but it's being misused. I'm not convinced by Gus. You know my position on this. We've talked about that a million times. I'm not going to rehash it. Viney, we all know, is hard but limited. Um, and May's having this great season. But beyond that, I mean, beyond that, you just have a lot of young players' needs. I mean, Wiedemann's promising but young. Fritcher's shown a lot, but he's young. Cozzy's young. Luke Milkshin, Jackson's young. Melkshin seems like he's on a bit of a downhill slope, unfortunately. Hibbert's had a nice little surge. But, you know, I don't know if the talent is quite as deep as we think. I think beyond Petrarca... Gorn and Nay, it's pretty thin. Like, there's a lot of decent players. What do you make of Lever? So, Lever had four possessions and was all disposals and was terrible. But I think, again, like, you have to ask yourself Lever obviously was performing very, very well in a good team at Adelaide. Mm. So, I guess I think he can be a good player, maybe in a good team. 
But I don't think we're getting into that. We're not a good and good enough team for him to play a particularly significant role. Yeah. And so I don't know what you do about that. But look, I I agree with you. I think that some of these players are definitely not um, not as good as they as they might think they are. I think you. I think the thing about Gus is you you've never been convinced by Gus. Um, but you have to say that when he is playing well, we do look like a better team and we look like a more damaging team. Absolutely, but I think he plays well in a bit of an unsustainable way, right? Which is all of our players assuming we win the ball and then streaming forward, right? And when he gets on the end of that, he's one of the most dangerous players in the competition, right? But I don't see our midfield, and it's not just him, it's it's all of them, in fairness. Um, I don't see them win, them playing like a sustainable kind of finals brand against the really good teams, right? And look, they won a couple of finals in 2018 and then got absolutely annihilated by West Coast, right? Mm. Because it's just not a durable brand, you know? Look, I think my view is I don't think that – I don't think that the list is as good as they probably think it is, but I really don't think it's a it's a terrible list. That's I true. think that there is enough there. I can imagine a Ross the Boss coaxing out the absolute best out of this group. That's what I think, yeah. right? I, I just, just a I, bit of mongrel and exactly. Structure. I think that that you have to say. I mean, given the fact that we've had a lot of close losses and a lot of games where we've come back and just lost, mm. like I think there is a lot of mental problems at that club. Then if the club, yeah. if the problem is cultural and the problem is mental, then you've got to ask yourself. Well, let me ask you about this point, Neitz, because a number of comments made this point. There was Terence, there was Claire, there was Louis pointing to something deeper than the coach, right? Which is the club culture. And it is true. I think as supporters, we're very easy to say, get rid of the coach, get rid of, some, get in some savior and we're going to be fine. But we've seen again and again and again that, you know, we'll sack a coach and maybe we'll have a bit of a bump, but nothing really happens, right? What is going on there? I just think that they have a loser's mentality. I don't know. It's it's very – I think that it's just something endemic in the experience of being a Melbourne player and a Melbourne supporter. Is that the supporter's fault? Are we too forgiving? Are we too accepting of kind of mediocrity or – I think we're too excitable in some ways and I think yeah. the club is a bit too excitable to be honest. Right. Uh, we definitely get excited as well. I think I said the, the P word premiership a few weeks ago, but anyway, let's pretend that never happened. Um but yeah, yeah, I think I think we get very excited about a few wins. And frankly, it's not enough to make finals. And this is the problem that I have with the club, right? There seems to be, even some supporters seem to say, oh, you know, we could still make the finals, even if we do make the finals, right? This team is going nowhere. They're not anywhere near winning a premiership, right? No, and nothing aside from premiership should be, premiership yeah. should be acceptable, really. Yeah. You look That's at who can get you be- there. You look at whether you have the core players who can get you there and whether the older players are supporting you, and then you make some calls, you know? And yeah, so that means a lot of our older players are in trouble. I think so. And I and I think that they have to be, to be honest. I mean, I understand that there's this huge sentimentality at Melbourne because of how the club treated James McDonald. I appreciate that that was obviously a very, mm. you know, callous and horrible way of, um, of getting rid of your captain. I, I completely agree with that. But ultimately, Clarko, you know, who obviously isn't having a great time at the moment, but, you know, you make these tough calls, yeah. you make hard decisions. And That's maybe what we you should do. reconsider the James McDonald thing. And to be honest, this is the first time I've ever I've ever thought that. At the time, I was as pissed off and sad as anyone, but maybe it is the right call, you know? Maybe maybe it is well, a situation believe- where the club was being unusually ruthless and the supporters didn't like it. Well, no, what I would say about that is I think it was the manner in which he found out about it all was a bit uh, ridiculous, sure. right? And also but the, the mere thing- fact of him him leaving. I yeah, think- but the other problem was is that they didn't have any they had a Darth of le- leaders underneath sure. him, right? So it's not like they had all these other people who could possibly be leading the next generation. So yeah. I think that was definitely a problem, but yeah, I, I really think that we have to be ruthless. We have to, you know, everybody is tradable. 
everybody's tradable. Hmm. Maybe a, Petrarca's maybe, not tradable. Well, hmm. even Petrarca, for the right price, everyone is tradable. Maybe not Petrarca, yeah. but you know, everybody is theoretically tradable. And I don't believe in any sentiment. So if you want to, I yeah. personally- I would, would say Petrarca, Gorn, and May are the three players I really care about keeping on the list next year. Everyone else, I think, could be up for trade, put it that way. A hundred percent. The idea that there are people who are untouchable is just completely incorrect. And so, you know, every bit, we should be doing everything we can to possibly maximize this talent that we, to, to do what we can to make the list better. And so, you know, for me, I also believe it's just such losers. Some of their trades are such evidence of a losing culture mm. that's endemic in the club. So, for example, Tomlinson, right? <laughs> no, but that's a loser's mentality I because know. what that is saying is we have to pay, we have to give him four years at this absurd, like, price just to get him into the club. Why? Why wouldn't they back the fact that their, you know, offer was good enough and that their their number of years was good enough and just say either take it or leave it, Tomlinson. We don't need you that badly. Mm. Look, in fairness to Tomlinson, he has been better. I thought he played pretty well on Hogan. The thing that pisses me off, and and in fairness, we've been going on about this after the trade, before the trade, so on. He's a good third defender. That's what he is. He's not a winger. Anyone can tell you that. Now we're playing him as a third defender. But the club said that he would help solve our wing problem. It is preposterous. It's just, it's it is preposterous. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, and look, now they're I'm, shopping for more wingers. But, of course. But, I'm, look, I'm, I'm happy he's in because I don't think – look, Oscar had a good little mid-season burst, but I think Tomlinson's going to take that spot. And our defense looks all right. I mean, when you look at our defense, right, May, Lever, Tomlinson, Rivers, Hibbard, and, you know, maybe one other that we need to find, it's a pretty bloody good defense, you would think. Yeah, I would say that, but I mean, look, I, I, everything else is just is just terrible and appalling, and I just think that um, even even the decision to, you know, I yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't have any other decisions to. No, to I'm out. Us. I'm out. I've, I've had this has been a very long kind of um, robust rant from me. I would say it's been a pretty savage episode. Um, so I hope you'll forgive us, D's fans, because I'm not sure if this is particularly cathartic, but um, just a lot of frustrations to express. Um, the GWS game coming up. Um, what do you reckon, Nitz? I mean, the words "who cares" come to mind because I'm so incredibly unimpressed. And we look, still have some chance, don't we? I if mean, we, we need GWS all of Nesman. these. We need all of these results to go our way. So yeah. we basically need, you know, Collingwood to lose to right. teams that they're not going to lose to. Right. Yeah. Look, I haven't really mapped it out, but it seems pretty long shot. I mean, it wouldn't be un Melbourne to randomly win these games, but you know, what's the point? I agree. To absolutely no avail. And They're I just thrown away, a, you know, a really good opportunity, right? Like, we win those two games, beat Essendon. We probably would have been, what, sixth? Yeah. You know? And look, I still think all of these fundamental problems would still have existed, but you would kind of take that and move on. But these two games just exposed so many of the underlying problems. And right? maybe that's a good thing, you know? Maybe you just need to really hit rock bottom before you can actually try to, you know... Because ultimately, the problem is, is if, if they made the finals, Goodwin would still be coached next year and maybe some of the problems would still persist. Mm. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for supporting the Ds. We're all in this t- together, uh, all standing strong. Still going to renew our membership next year, unlike your cousin, Arlok, who's jumped off the train. Although he claims to jump off the train every year, so I think he'll be back. <laughs> but until the game against GWS is completed, go Ds. Go Ds. Go Ds.